Hey guys, Dano here. Now, I just thought I'd give you all a quick heads up that we recorded this week's review from each other's houses. So I was at my place, Mitch was at his place, we did it over the phone. We actually did the same thing last week. Went off without a hitch. We thought, great, let's do this again this week. Well, something went wrong. We're not exactly sure what it was, but for some reason, Mitch sounds like he's in a toilet. He wasn't in the toilet, he was in his man cave. Same place he was last week, but for some reason, it doesn't sound that great. I've managed to salvage his audio, so the show's still going to go ahead, but I just thought I'd give you guys the heads up as to that's why his audio sounds a little weird. But have no fear, we've done some tests, we've fixed the issue, we're not exactly sure what the issue was, but it's fixed. It's it's all fixed now, ready for next week. So I hope you can still enjoy the show. Thank you all again for your ongoing support, you're all champions, we love each and every one of you. But for now, sit back and enjoy our review of the 138th episode, Spectacular. This episode of Four Finger Discount is brought to you by Big Roddy's Rip and Rib Shack, Brisbane's home of delicious barbecue. Roddy's Rib Shack is one of Brisbane's favourite barbecue places. They serve up delicious food, not only ribs, but they do great burgers, they do veggie burgers, so they cater for all sorts. And you'll save 10% off your food and drinks bill with the code, it's a secret. Roddy's Ribs is also available for group bookings and functions. Head to bigroddysribs.com to find out more. Yes, the Simpsons have come a long way since an old drunk made humans out of his rabbit characters to pay off his gambling debts. Who knows what adventures they'll have between now and the time the show becomes unprofitable. I'm Troy McClure, and I'll leave you with what we all came here to see. Hardcore nudity! Four-finger discount, dude! Welcome to Four Finger Discount. This week we're here to review the 138th episode, Spectacular, the episode that gave us the Richard Simmons dancing robot. I am Dando. I am Mitch. How you doing this week, man? I'm, well, I've been rocked to my very core by what's going on in Australian sport. We're not going to. We'll talk about that later in the episode. A couple patrons have asked if we could uh, discuss the happenings with Australia and ball tampering, but I, the tampering, but I thought even for my standards, that is about as far removed from what we should be talking about as possible. Um, but the people have spoken. It will be included maybe post-mailbag for anyone that wants to hear my thoughts on Australians and cheating. But but I feel this is the best episode for us to get into that at the end because it's going to need a bit of filler because normally you're not really looking forward to the clip shows. But the difference is this clip show, it gives us more than just clips, doesn't it? It's, it is, without a doubt, the best clip show of the, of the golden year of The Simpsons. And look, they don't call it the 138th episode spectacular for nothing, Dando. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> uh, no, it is. I mean, they've always sort of come up with slightly inventive ways of doing clip shows, but this one by far the best. Yeah, it just gives us a bit of everything. It gives us stuff that. See, this aired in 1995, so this was before the era of DVDs and Blu-rays where you could get easy access to things like deleted scenes and whatnot. Not only that, it was virtually before the era of even VHS. Like, it wasn't very easy to get your hands. You could maybe get a couple episodes, but you weren't getting seasons and you certainly weren't getting bonus features. And it gave us access to things like the um, the Tracy Ullman shorts. Back then, if, in Australia particularly, you never got to see that kind of stuff. No, I always thought Tracy Ullman was just a myth made up for the purposes <laughs> of this show. Well, she certainly wasn't, but the, the, I've noticed there was one of the um, one of the Tracy Ullman shorts. It's, I think it's like the bath time one. I feel the animation in that short is better than some of the first season. Did you notice that? I wouldn't have gone quite as far as better. Or do, or do you mean, um, what are you referring to exactly, Bart Underwater or that little bit at the end where he's toweling himself off? Yeah, the cleaners a whistle. I just feel they look more defined than they do in the first season. Yeah, interesting. Um, 
I was wondering, like, with with this episode, how many of these were actually deleted scenes and how many of them were inserted as sort of faux deleted scenes? Like, they were trying to keep up that impression. Um, I'd be curious to know if anything was made specifically for this. Like, it had never been thought of before, but they said, let's just go back and do it. I doubt the Tracy Ullman stuff because they would have had to completely relearn the animation, so that's probably not likely, but... Yeah, well, I actually know for a fact that every deleted scene you see in this episode is an actual deleted scene. Okay, well, there you go. There's the first fact of the week. <laughs> well, what did you learn, Mitch? You learned that they were real deleted scenes. And I just think it's so cool. They're like, look, Although this is a clip show, there's only a slight section that actually is clips. There's the two compilations of the Homer, Stupid, and Smithers being gay. The rest hmm. of it's actually material that when I was a kid watching this, I loved every second of it. Yeah, look, I still enjoy it now, and it, it amazes me how many of these things, like the deleted scenes in particular, had become inserted in my brain as actually from the show. Like the space sticks, for example, in Mother Simpson, I was so convinced that had actually happened that, you know, then I go back and rewatch this, and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, that, that's where I got that from. The most jarring one for me is the dancing Richard Simmons. When we, watched, when we were reviewing Burns Air, I was like, oh, wait a minute, that didn't happen. I know, it's so much better than what did. It's a shame. It's just that it obviously it runs so much longer, that scene, than the bear. But it's so goddamn good. The Terminator 2 parody is just perfect. I know, right? But it wasn't cut due to time, though. It was cut because they didn't feel it was funny. And when they showed it to test audiences, the audiences got, gave no... Like, there was no laughter at all. That's why they cut it. But then when Bill Oakley and... I'm not sure whether Josh as well, but they took it to different universities doing talks and whatnot, and the crowd would erupt in laughter when they'd show these deleted scenes, and they thought, hmm, maybe we should show this, so they slotted it into the 138th episode. This is why you can't trust a test audience, and that's why podcasting is the only way forward, because not only do we not trust test audiences, we don't even listen to our current ones. Do you think there's a bit of that in the uh, Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie show, you know, when the kids are the test audiences, and they just call them stupid? (laughs) I do definitely think that that's that, but that's probably not unique just to The Simpsons. I think all creators, or largely a lot of creators, like every now and then you probably get something useful out of a test audience, but I think if you lean, if you put too much into it, as into the opinions of, to quote Bill Hicks, these 200 random yahoos (laughs) over your decades of, you know, learning your art and craft and having an idea, like I would much rather never have a test screening, um, or certainly I wouldn't put... If there was something that I truly believed in, I would not cut it on the basis of a test screening. Even shows like Seinfeld, I don't reckon they would have got great responses in test audiences when they first begun, but thankfully they stuck it out. I'm sure there's plenty of shows out there that had they stuck it out, they would have become classics. Seinfeld barely got good reception from, again, from actual audiences when it first came out. So yeah, there are yeah. times that you just need... Sometimes something takes a little bit of time to grow on people. Like I don't imagine... A movie like Anchorman or Napoleon Dynamite would have done well with test audiences, particularly because a lot of the time, they don't even know what they're going to see. They're just being told, you, you're a test audience, come in and give us an opinion on this movie. So, you you know, you could have just, by chance, copped a bunch of people that didn't know who Richard Simmons was or something along those lines. Yeah, it's true. It's true. You know what else I liked about this episode was the little bits of trivia. Because I'm a real trivia nerd. Even as a kid, I loved trivia. And there's a, there's, I think it's the second one where they do the Dr. Marvin Munro and uh, Bleeding Gums Murphy rug pull, where they say they were never popular. Mm. It always reminds me, because when I was watching, I remember watching this when it was a brand new episode. And when they went to commercial break, I, I said, I know the answer, I know the answer. And dad, I, rem- I remember my dad saying, well, if you get it wrong, you're going to have to go to bed straight away. 
And then it came back and because he said I was wrong, dad's like, all right, time for bed, time to bed. You have to go to bed now. And I remember I was absolutely fuming. But it didn't actually make me go to bed. But it always, it always, this episode reminds me of that one moment with my dad just having a bit of fun. I can just imagine how annoying you would have been as a kid being adamant that you were right about something. Oh, actually, man. I would have sent you to bed too. <laughs> just because I was a little shit in. Can I sidebar for a second? Um, yeah, go for it. If anyone out there is listening and picking up on the slightly different sound quality of this episode and indeed the last one, where uh, we're not next to each other. I'm at my house and Dando is at his house. Logistically, that just makes the most sense and... Um, medically, I'm not supposed to be around pregnant women for the chance of injuring the fetus, but <laughs> I, I've just noticed, so I'm in my media room, I've lived in this house for some four years, and I've just noticed like a little bit of the cutout wall where you've got like your, um, your robe, your, you know, um, sliding door robe is warped and it's like the plaster that, that just, comp- it's on about a, th- so I reckon a two or three degree twist from the halfway point down so there's something that i've learned <laughs> next time you're but, around i'm going to show you this i can't like I, I i had to say that out loud because of that like crazy notion of you've lived in a house for four years you've walked past this wall every day of your life for those four years and then suddenly you look at it and you go that motherfucker's not square that, that that's your man cave you live in that room i do and it's I mean, it's not even where I've got the DVDs. It's not like I could argue that it's just bulging under the weight of nerdery. This is just shoddy craftsmanship. <laughs> I noticed so many things in my house, man. Actually, when we first moved into our house, the floor wasn't straight. And I could see it wasn't straight because the, when the light reflected on it, on the tiles, it shot off mm. on an angle. And when I worked at Ford, that's how you knew there was a, a fault in the part when the, you shine the light on it and you would see the light bounce a different direction. And the builders, nah, mate, nah, mate, you're right, yeah, you're wrong. That's not, that's not it at all. And we got a leveler, and it was way off. So they had to literally lift up our tiles, redo the floor, had to like chip the floor away, and just do the whole thing all over again. Our, our house was a piece of shit when they first built it. <laughs> I'm sure there's how, plenty of other things that were wrong with it. I just never found it. <laughs> how late do you think it is to be able to sue a builder? Because that's the oh, well, third it's, it's, thing it's that it's I've three noticed. months. They, well, they, we got three months. So they basically, they gave us this thing that we put on the fridge, a giant magnet board, and they said, anything that you find wrong with this house, write it here, because after the three months is up, whether you find it or not, it's no longer our liability. So you need to find everything wrong in the first three months. We'll fix it for free. After that three months, it's on you. Well, it's just absolute shit. I haven't changed the shape of the wall. <laughs> how's, this, how's this just movement? Does they move. Out, does anyone out there work for the ombudsman? Because I want to push this case. <laughs> I, I'm sure, I'm scared to take down the, the cards that line the walls of my man cave. I'm sure there's cracks everywhere in his house. <laughs> They're load-bearing cards. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what they are. But getting back to uh, the 130th episode Spectacular, how amazing is it just to have a whole episode of Phil? Oh, yeah. That is the the one like real standout memory of this, is all of the stuff of Phil in the studio. And... The little moments. I love the way they animate Troy McClure. It's so good. Like the, I mean, there's obviously the prodding, getting prodded with a broom handle when he's fallen asleep. But for me, it's the laugh. Is it off the back of, I think it's when they come, yeah, when they come out of the first Tracy Ullman sketch about bedtime, that Phil's just got this look on his face, almost like crusty with what the hell is that, but way more subtle. And then just the ha ha ha, like the forced laugh that he comes out with. It's, such a great ma- uh, marriage of animation and acting. It's a similar facial expression to the the DNA video clip. Oh, like what does DNA stand for? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
what was your favorite moment from this overall? Or what did you what did you like the most about it? There's so many different things that go into it. It's just it sort of lives in its own little bubble. But what what did you like the most? The constant digs at what a crazy man Matt Groening is. Um, okay. <laughs> so the uh, like slipping in the NRA forever, just one of the many right wing messages, <laughs> like all that sort of stuff that was um, having a crack at the creators and. You're, I would love to know how much of that he was aware of, aware of in the script before it went to air. It'd be, I have this great image of him sitting at home eating cereal for dinner, and just because that's a better thing to spit out, and just like hearing one of those jokes and just snorting cornflakes and milk all over the room. Yeah, of, of laughter. He wouldn't be annoyed by it at all. Oh yeah, laughter. Now there was something here that I picked up on that I, as a kid, never realised. Now who was Mr. Burns taking off when he goes crazy in Las Vegas? What was who was that about again? Howard Hughes and Howard Sam Hughes, yeah. Simon is drawn the same way. Yeah, I never picked up on that until I watched it now. I was like, ah, oh, that's right. That's who they're trying to take off. And then yeah. obviously James L. Brooks is just a Monopoly man. <laughs> yeah, just fat with money. <laughs> My favourite moment, I remember as a kid, I loved the end, the hardcore nudity. I've actually got a bit of a fun fact about the hardcore nudity that I posted on our Facebook page just before we started recording this. Mm. But um, going uh, going back now, I've always loved the insight into showing us the clips they made for the Who Shot Mr. Burns, the, the endings that they tried to oh, use yeah. to throw people off. Yeah. I, I lo- they play so well as a montage with just the exact same reaction from Burns every time. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> 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 that's why it's what uh, that was one of those ones where i was like did they reanimate a few of these for the sake of that joke uh see i apparently not but i can understand that they, they could have but i, I really don't think they did because apparently that when they did who shot mr burns they recorded six to eight different endings so yeah, i'm assuming these would have to be the ones yeah 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 i now i didn't bother creating a fake name or new name i should say for this episode did you do one uh, no, um, I mean, for a clip show, really, what could you come up with? Um, yeah, no, I'm not even going to really be bothered. No, it's not worth it. <laughs> but what, what else did you want to discuss about this about this episode? Because um, we're not going to go through it from start to finish like we normally do. It's just, well, not everyone's all, we seen, it's just a bunch clips. of mishmash. We won't go through the clips start to finish. We might cover off what they are, but I definitely want to get into the Trey, the Tracy Ullman thing, so you cover off a couple of the... Um, I would say theme, like they don't necessarily all have deeper themes, but we'll just cover off what those sketches were. Um, then maybe some of the parodies, uh, sorry, not some of the parodies, but some of the deleted scenes of like, would they have made the episode better or worse or something along those lines? We can cover them as we go through, but it won't be a full blow by blow. But we still need to talk sure. about it a little bit so you can take the excuse of putting in some quotes. Otherwise, yep, yep, yep. this will just be a shambles of an episode. Um <laughs> I was going to say, on the subject of hardcore nudity, do you want a story now or later? I might as well do the fact now. You should do the facts at the start. So, what happened was... No, this was, isn't a is... fact. I, I meant oh. my, a story of my own relating to hardcore nudity. Oh, I thought you wanted to get into the facts. Sorry, no. Oh, yeah, go for it. I'd love to hear about your hardcore nudity. Go for it. So, I was on a train the other day, and I like the, the train from Geelong to Melbourne occasionally passes through some areas of no reception. So I thought I'll jump on Netflix, I'll download something in advance and then I can watch it without fear of it coming out. So whenever you're sort of public transporting and you're going to watch something, you're mindful of what it's going to be. And like, you don't want anything super gory and violent. You don't want anything with nudity. 
Like, you've got to kind of play it pretty safe. But by the same time, I don't want to be sitting there watching Anne of Green Gables on my way up to Melbourne. So, well, if, you're watching, if you're watching nudity, you're just going to make sure the volume's at least turned down. Well, headphones, so that's fine. But it was more yeah, okay. that, like, there could be a kid next to you. There could be a granny next to you. There could be anyone that might be uncomfortable with you just broadcasting your habits on an iPad. <laughs> so, ultimately, I decided on Peep Show, a show that I've plumped for a couple times on this podcast, and it's it's largely pretty safe. It's, it's super... Um, dark and twisted in its comedy, but it's all audio. So, and mostly the visuals are just um, first-person perspectives of someone talking to another person. So, there's it's it's pretty fine. Unfortunately, and if there's anyone that has watched Peep Show, they'll know I chose the final of season one called Funeral, which, as it turns out, has two or three instances of a character watching porn in the background. So you just see glimpses of what's going on on the screen. Uh, there's a very f- confronting. Uh, point of view up close in ugly parts of people attempted sex scene and then it ends with one of the characters getting a hand job from a crying woman i'm watching that on the most crowded like peak hour train back from melbourne with people everywhere it almost got to the point that i wanted to put my it was on my phone not an ipad but i got to the point that i wanted to put it under my t-shirt and just watch there to try and avoid offending anybody you couldn't wait till you get home just to finish it off there i was bored i had to do something (laughs) <laughs> I will not play Candy Crush I want to watch this Watch yeah, this show No 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 Candy Crush for me No Flappy Bird I will not reduce myself <laughs> To that level Didn't Flappy Bird get banned Because it was a rip off of Mario The, the tubes or whatever uh, Got banned for something I think that might have been it But I didn't Really get into the uh, Legal case on that one So that was your Hardcore nudity I was, I was thought It was going to result in you Being nude No no one needs to hear stories About that <laughs> No, nothing trumps the, the dog licking story anyway, I don't think. <laughs> well, there's the, the supermarket aisle was a pretty bad one as well. You I don't know. remember that. I don't think I want to now. Supermarket oh, wait. Was that donuts? Didn't realize, didn't, yeah, the donuts didn't realize why <laughs> had opened itself when I was sans underwear. Alrighty, so the 130th. I've got a couple of trivia questions. Do you want well, me to on, ask them to, to you? You're about to give me a nudity fact. Oh, the fact, yes, the fact. Well, I've talked it up so much now, it's not actually that important. But basically, so, the episode Grandpa versus Sexual Inadequacy, an episode we've already reviewed, there's that scene where, it's right near the very start, where Marge and Homer are about to have sex for the first time in weeks, and Bart walks in and they say, don't enter the room, don't come in, oh, don't turn on the light, don't turn on the light. Yep. Uh, in that episode, it has Marge with the blanket over her, and Homer's covered up with the blanket as well. And then mm. she gets the pillow, and it's all they're all covered up, it's all fine. The original take, which makes its way into the closing credits of the 130th episode Spectacular, shows them completely nude. Uh, all, basically, you see everything on Marge except for a nipple and the other bits. Like it's, it, You see the lot. She's just completely naked. There's no blanket covering her. There's just two naked adults about to get down and dirty on the bed. It's amazing that they allowed that. I assume it was the censors that wanted to change. It's amazing that they'd allow that in this episode but not in that episode when it's actually in context because the, the censors probably thought it's a clip show and there's no point even bothering to check it that's a very good point they would have just said to them no we're just rerunning ideas yeah and it was in the closing credits anyway it's only on the scene uh, on the screen for three to four seconds if that at, in, at the very end during the closing credits so maybe they just had to sneak it in there like you said but yeah it's just amazing that's something i never really picked up on until i went back and did the review for this and i thought oh yeah they're actually completely naked there hmm and if you go on the Facebook page, you actually put a side-by-side comparison so you can actually compare 
what the original looked like compared to what they actually made them air. Okay, very cool. Cool. So the original air date for this one. Oh, did you want me to do trivia or not? I've got yeah, two we'll questions. Yeah, we'll do some trivia. I've got a couple questions for you. Oh, okay, cool. I didn't think you'd do some trivia. All right, I will let you kick things off. Okay. I, firstly, what percentage of this episode is new footage? Twenty-three percent. That is correct. Uh, my first question is: What was Homer's original name? Oh, Wacky something or other. Yeah, Captain Wacky. I'll give you that. Captain Wacky. There we go. Uh, how many couch gags are played at the start of the episode? I'm going to guess and say 16. Uh, not quite. There were 12. 12. Okay. And finally for me, what was Smithers' punishment for shooting Mr. Burns in the fake ending? A 5% pay cut. I have That is correct. A couple more questions. How many letters have they received over the six years that they've been on air? Oh, I don't know. Dozens. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who voiced the trivia? So, uh, the trivia that you were so excited about, who was doing the voice of that trivia guy? So, it's not a character, it's just a, a, an actor? actor? Like one of the, okay. Uh, I'm going to say Dan? No, it was Hank. And was my Hank. final question, which I seriously doubt you're going to get, and that was why I delighted in putting it in. Uh, in the How I, St- How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love Legalized Gambling deleted scene, which three Bond villains are at the table? Jaws. Jaws, yes. I can tell you that another one of them was a very popular character in multiplayer on the GoldenEye 64. I never really played it on 64. <laughs> I never owned what? one. Um, what? You never go- played GoldenEye? Uh, no, I played it like at my friend's house. I never owned it. I can't remember. I. It's been oh. that long dude, since I played it, honestly. Okay. I tried to play. I tried to play it recently on my 64, and it gave me. It made my eyes bleed. It was just it was too hard to play. But the other person is it the uh, the dude that throws the hat? Yes, odd job. Odd job. Yes. yes, odd job. Yes, I don't know who yeah. the third one is. Who's the, th- who's the third one? Blofeld, who is the head of Spectre, sort of the overarching, um, you know, returns every every now and every handful okay. of movies. Uh, Blofeld is back. Well, I- I'm impressed that I got two. <laughs> yeah, I- I'm impressed by the fact that as much as the guy that throws the hat. Is a, is a bit of a concession to give that one to you. But yeah, that's uh, well done. Uh, the original air date for the 138th episode Spectacular was December 3rd, 1995. The chalkboard gag is I will only do this once a year. Obviously a reference to the clip show. Do you know, did, did we, I don't know whether you mentioned it before, but did you know that the the people at Fox wanted them to do four clip shows per season originally? Uh, it was That was the writers themselves that wanted to do four. They didn't like to try to, because Fox wanted X number of seasons uh, X number of episodes per season, and the writers thought, no, that's way too many. So they were pushing for four to not have to work as much. Oh, I've read that the the writers were the ones that said that it'll oversat, it'll like alienate the fan base if they have four. Maybe there was a point in time where they were trying to come up with a concession about, well, we we need this yeah. many episodes, so why don't you do that many clip shows or something along those yeah. lines? But yeah, possibly. Um, I, yeah, I'd heard it. In commentaries that I've listened to in the past, though, it had been the um, the writers that were pushing to try to not have to write 26 episodes or something like that a season. I was actually listening to an interview with or a Q&A with Mike Scully today, and he said there was a point where they would, because the, the, they, someone asked, how do you come up with so many couch gags? And he said there was a point, I think it was like season six or seven, where they all just got together and said, all right, we're going to plan 11, and then we're just going to repeat them. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You uh, you mentioned Mike Scully, Dando. Can you uh, maybe share the exciting news that we have about Mike Scully? 
it's it's pretty big, isn't it? It's pretty awesome. So I, I'm thinking for a while now, I've wanted to to chat to Mike Scully because he's the guy who many a lot of people give him shit and they credit him to the demise of the show because he he took over after season well at season nine through to about twelve ish, I'd say, mm-hmm. and. No matter who was running the show at that point, it was going to be a hard task to keep it up to the quality of which had been delivered in years prior. And I've always just wanted to hear his perspective and just ask, like, hear it myself, hear it from his mouth. And I thought, how can we organize an interview with him? I tried to look up for his management and whatnot, and I thought, nah, that's not going to happen. And then I just thought, what the hey, I'll just tweet the guy and see what happens. Tweeted him, and the following morning I wake up and his message is saying, hey, yep, sure, I'd love to be on the podcast. Here's my email. Let's get this happening. And that's it. We're going to be interviewing Mike Scully in the coming weeks. How awesome is that? It's going to be very, very exciting. It'd be cool to hear his perspective on the years that he was in charge. I, I, I can't wait to hear you and him discuss uh, Principal and the Pauper. For the fact that I'm one of the only people that will defend it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Because uh, I've so many people credit that to for the one of the reasons why the show, or when, the point when it started becoming stupid and it, it killed the character of Principal Skinner, where you have a completely different opinion. I'm not so much... I'm not so much with you. I still agree that it didn't ruin the show, but I don't appreciate it as much as you appreciate that episode. So I really want to hear you guys discuss it because I don't think I've ever heard or read an interview where the person who is interviewing Mike agrees with him. Well, if there's anything that I do love, Dando, it's taking a contrary position to something. So that will be uh, it'll be <laughs> enjoyable for me as well. It might be the whole podcast. Like he, he might get that excited with hearing someone praise it. That could just be the hour. I start talking, he's like, out of the way, you... I want to talk yeah. to Mitch. Excuse me, I've got a fan over here. He needs service. <laughs> he seems like a great guy. I can't wait for that. So that'll be in the coming weeks. I'm not sure whether it was going to air in the coming weeks, but we're going to do it in the coming weeks. I, I thought it'd be cool just to, because we're going to be reviewing Team Homer soon, and he wrote that episode. So it'd be nice oh, just yeah. to hear his perspective on it. It'd be very cool I don't, to I don't, with that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so uh, the episode, the 130th episode spectacular kicks off with Troy introducing the show. It's just, from the very beginning, you know it's going to be different, don't you? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, obviously the fact that it's Troy addressing the camera, there's the, he's on a set, like you actually see the Simpsons house as being a set rather than uh, just being, you know, their house. Like it's actually, think about it, it's the, it's the first time the show has been self-referential enough to acknowledge the fact that it is indeed a show, that these aren't real yeah, people. I, I, love, I love the studio setting, it looks great. I remember as a kid when I first watched this. I was confused as to what was going on. Do, 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 what, what was going through your head when you first watched this? How old were you? Were you watching it when it was a new episode? or? No, look, I honestly don't remember. Like, I, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you the first time that I did see it. I just, okay, I, I've always enough. remembered it as being a thing, but I don't remember sitting down to watch it. Yep, yep, yep. Well, it, the, the episode kicks off with, uh, it goes straight into the, the Tracy Ullman shorts. And they play, I think they play clips from a few. Then they play a couple in, like, completely. I think the, the very first one they play... Fully, the Rockabye Baby one? Yeah, yeah, that one was... Because all the ones that come from that are a bit shorter. So unless on the Tracy Ullman show, they occasionally didn't go the whole way through. Um, yep. But I do, I do like the bedtime one. Like, you see the beginnings of what's going on there. They've got, it, I mean, it has a big... Well, not so much a beginning, middle and end, but it's got a setup and then a, a tag. Um, there's structure going on to it. It's just not like it... It's not just a needless sketch. And they do manage to get... A, a, a bit of humanity into the characters. Homer's not an oaf at that point. He's a bit dumb, but he's not, you know, mean. And uh, outside of that, like, it's a very kind of relatable... A, it's a very relatable thing that they talk about. B, 
It does point out the fact that you say some really weird shit to your kid to try and get them to go to sleep. Like, whoever said don't let the bed bugs bite and thought that that was a nice way to calm someone down? I, I actually watched the, the, the entirety, every single one of the Trace Yolman shorts on, on YouTube, and this is a couple of years ago now. They're not that bad. They Sure, they look terrible compared to what we're used to now, and they're, they're quite crude, but the characters the characters are there. They, they, they weren't quite fully fleshed out, but you can see that they're almost there, you know? Hmm. Even Grandpa and Krusty, just in a much cruder format. <laughs> a few people now, have those as tattoos. That's a very funny visual joke. Um, yeah, great. I also really enjoyed the fact that Bart in the um, the Sunday bath sketch, I like that Bart was doing a Jacques Cousteau act, uh, impression. It was very cool. Yeah. Like, the fact that, you know, Bart would even know who Jacques Cousteau is. But it's always really fun to watch, uh, for me anyway, I get really impressed whenever a voice actor is good enough to do their character impersonating another character but still keeping elements of their normal character's voice in there. It's very, very yep, yep. skillful and deft. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. And the thing about that scene too is that's what it's like when you're a kid and you're in the bath. You just create this own world for yourself. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm trying to think of the last time that I had a bath. Uh, I hate baths. I don't. I just don't do baths anymore. Nicola yeah. loves a bath. Not me. Just not me. Uh, not at all. Um, What's uh, Kramer's way of summarizing a bath? Sitting there in a tepid pool of your own filth. <laughs> exactly. That's what I say to Nicholas. I said, you're lying in your... You've, you've cleaned yourself with this water. Now you're laying in it. Yeah. I, uh, I tell you, like, I did ta- I did have a bath recently as a remedial sort of thing. Like it was after... I was playing a, a cricket finals, a back-to-back Saturday, Sunday, and I'm getting a bit older. So I needed to just sort of come home and soak in warm water for a little bit to soothe the muscles. And I did feel... Uh, hell of a lot better when I woke up the next day as uh, compared to how I normally do. So, I mean, there's something to baths, but I certainly couldn't go in there just to be clean. Um, plus, and, you know, sorry for the disturbing visual of this, but as a man, I've always felt it is uncomfortable that, you, like, your penis floats in water and you have no control yeah. over which direction it goes in. And It's not, it's not and good. If, yeah, and if it's not a bubble bath, there's no avoiding it. It's just there, <laughs> looking at you, judging you. And when you're in water, the last thing you want is it floating to the top. Exactly, because it gets a little cool. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly right. (laughs) If you haven't got the bath filled up all the way, it's like a little periscope in Antarctica. Like, it's just... (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Never, ever use any face wash that's in a man's house, because if that man has had a bath, that face wash has been used to hide his shame. Remember when you were a kid too, when you pull the plug and it makes that sound? You have to leave before that sound starts. Terrifying, that sound. Like, that was going to suck my toes into the sink. I was Sorry, into the drain. I was going to disappear forever. You were going to disappear into the sewers with Pennywise. Yeah. I hear that sound and I picture Michael Jordan getting sucked into the (laughs) 16th hole. (laughs) What'd you do? (laughs) I love Bill Bill Murray in that. (laughs) I love Bill Murray in that. It's amazing. Flames the camera. It's amazing. How do we get to talking about Michael Jordan being sucked down a bath plug hole? Talking about the one hundred thirty eighth episode. Somehow got there via my penis. <laughs> <That was laughs> <unexpected. Yes. laughs> Which has been shriveled and covered up with a, f- a face washer that people now use to wash their hands with. <laughs> I never said anything about shriveled. I just said it floated. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so they've played all the shorts. So was that all you wanted to mention about the shorts? I, I just like it. It's sort of like a little for people who have never seen the show before. It's like a little history lesson. This is where the Simpsons began. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I, I did, um, I agree with that. I've got nothing else to say anything about the specific shorts, but I do like that as an overall nature, so many people would not have seen this or known this, and it was a very, it comes across as a very genuine thing. Like, yeah, it's a time filler, and it's just, oh, let's grab some historical stuff, but it's actually interesting at the same time. It's not just showing you stuff that you've seen before, unless you grew up on the Tracy Ullman show, of course. But even then, it yeah. would have been that long since you had seen those sketches. It's not like it was here's a clip from two seasons ago. Like, this is stuff from maybe a decade ago in some cases. And the Tracy Ullman stuff, that wasn't stuff that they would put on VHSs. You could, you, I don't think they ever would have aired after the show began. No, you wouldn't have thought. So what comes up next after they do the Tracy Ullman shorts? They get the mailbag. Um, yeah, the that's first it. One mailbag. Is, <laughs> uh, I think Homer gets stupider every year. I love McClure with his... That's not a question, Professor. <laughs> just putting him in his place. And that was just an excuse to do the little clips, but at least they picked some of the best stuff. It's not just useless clips. Yeah, I mean, okay, Mr. Burns, what's your first name? I don't know. Is still up Classic. there for me with the best ever Homer quotes. Oh, amazing. Yeah, it's so great. And then we got that. It's just one, one, and it's good. It's one per season to, to show that he actually did become stupider as he went on. Yeah, and... I mean, if you ran that into the future, continue so. thing is now, you watch the show now, and Homer is just a completely different person compared to what we are used to for the episodes that we're mm. reviewing now. I feel like he's got a lot less depth now, which is a shame. Then we get the uh, introduction to the fake groaning, the get out of my office. <laughs> That's his lighting back shots of tequila. <laughs> <laughs> But seriously, Matt Groening needs to go to Halloween this year with an eye patch and a bald cap. Oh, I'm sure he's done it at some point in the past. Dr. Linus Irvin of the Sloan Kettering Memorial Institute writes, How does Matt Groening find the time to write and draw an entire Simpsons episode every week? But the answer to this, we went straight to the source. Get out of my office! Of course, what Matt meant to say, according to his attorneys, is that he couldn't possibly do it alone. And he insisted that we make time to acknowledge the hard work of everyone who makes The Simpsons possible. I did spot Matt Grant. Uh, sorry, not Brant Groening. I did spot James L. Brooks's name in there. So that leads me to believe that at least some, if not all of those names, would have been real people. But I didn't freeze oh. frame it to check. That's something I'm going to have to freak out later and see how many actual names I can find. That's my life. That's what I do with my, in my spare time, people. I love I look at Frinky Axe screenshots. <laughs> I love that you said not that means that I, well, I might. That means I have to. Uh, the next compilation we get is Smithers Gay. Now, is this the first time the show... Well, I guess there's never been, never been up another opportunity for the show to acknowledge that Smithers is actually gay, besides the jokes that they make. Yeah, yeah, outside It's sort of like the a jokes. fourth wall gag. It's the, first, it's the first time it's properly been called out, yeah. Then we get the next trivia, the one I mentioned earlier, when my dad played the trick on me and wanted to send me to bed. Mm-hmm. And we come back and we get the deleted scenes. And this this is what I love the most, the deleted scenes. This was the stuff that really, as a kid, I was enthralled by. I was like, wow, this is footage that I've never seen. I probably never will see again. When, when am I ever going to get to see this again, you know? So we got yeah. the first one was the Krusty Gets Cancelled and the, the sex book. Yeah, which is a parody of Madonna um, releasing a book oh, like that course. in the early 90s. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Have you a seen lot of that people book? these days probably would not have remembered. I mean, I've never actually seen the book. It's just that... I've watched enough sketch comedy from the early 90s to be aware of its existence because everyone was making fun of it at the time. It's essentially Playboy with Madonna. 
Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, like, it's kind of artful, isn't it? Like, it's a lot of black and yeah, white photos and that sort of stuff. Yeah, but it's just black and white Playboy. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. The next one is the clip that you mentioned as part of your trivia, the James Bond playing Blackjack. 20. Your move, Mr. Bond. I'll take a hit, dealer. Joker, you were supposed to take those out of the deck. Oh, sorry. Here's another one. What is this card? Rules for draw and stud poker. What a pity, Mr. Bond. But, but it was Homer's fault. I didn't lose. I never lose. Well, at least tell me the details of your plot for world domination. <laughs> I'm not going to fall for that one again. I wish I had left this in. I, 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 do you think they replaced this with the Rain Man one? Oh, look, they might have, which is probably a mistake. I think this is a much funnier scene. Yeah, and I think this is a, I think this is a, an homage that appeals to a more of a widespread audience as opposed to the Rain Man one. Um, yeah, probably. And I mean, a longer audience. I mean, Bond has got Bond first aired in uh, aired. Bond first came out in 1962, so you you would have had 30 something years by that point of fans of different ages of that film, as opposed to Rain Man, which probably didn't have as broad an age appeal because it had only come out what 88 and didn't you know it wasn't franchised or anything like that so it's not like it was finding a new audience every year yeah exactly and basically when i I remember when i was a kid and i saw the gambling episode i'd never seen rain man i had no idea why homer was screaming and hitting himself but if i'd seen the other one i at least knew what james bond was because of golden eye 64 you know yeah yeah that's a fair point i i'm trying to think of when i first would have seen rain man but it definitely wouldn't have been before i'd seen people making fun of rain man um I reckon I first watched it when I was about 16, 17, something like that. So mm-hmm. way later. We also get the clip from Mother Simpson, the one that you said you every time you watch the episode, you think it should actually be in there. And a lot of these... It's not so much that I think it should, it's that I think it is. <laughs> like, <I've, Yeah. laughs> I, over time, I had convinced myself that it w- was a natural, true part of the episode. Well, out of all of these clips, which ones do you think would have benefited the episode the most? I think the, the one we discussed, Richard Simmons, the Blackjack would have as well. I think they should have replaced the Rayman with that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think about the, the next one, the Treehouse of Horror in the in the bowling and the Bart uh, playing playing with the devil? That's just sort of filler, isn't it? Yeah, that's neither here nor there. The, that's good. The box is empty. Is I, I Again, I could have sworn that that actually was in the thing. Um, yes. Yeah. Blew my I, mind. Like, I feel like, well, well, that even might have been, though, that the deleted scene was, like, that was the top and tail, and the deleted scene was what came in between it. I'm not too sure, mm-hmm. but like I said, it, it was so, that's so committed to my memory that I, I would go to my, I, I would go to my deathbed swearing that that is in the actual episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the crusty stuff in Crusty Gets Cancelled is probably the most throwawayable. Um, like, some the, the poo stuff as well, I guess. Yeah, the Apu stuff definitely um, is neither here nor there. Uh, and, I mean, that's kind of the nature of deleted scenes. Sometimes it is just because the episode runs long. Sometimes it's just because it wasn't quite good enough to pass muster the first time around. And then they give it to you later and try to tell you it's a special feature. And then we get the Who Shot Mr. Burns ones that we discussed as well earlier. Now, the the Smithers ending, I love that in the, in the fake ending, they acknowledge that it actually makes no sense. About the Simpson DNA evidence and all that sort of no, thing. Oh, no, no, where Smithers goes, hmm, I was, I was busy that night. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but then they do have McClure actually pointed out, going, of course, for that ending to make sense, you'd have to ignore all of the Simpsons DNA evidence. And that'd just be plain nutty. So that's the end of the 130th episode spectacular. He leaves us with the... Oh, he actually makes a joke here of 
the uh, it's another dig at Matt Granny. I can't remember exactly what he says, but it's something on the lines of he turned oh. his cartoon into a family. He turned his yeah, rabbits um, into a cartoon family an, or something. An old drunk made ho- humans out of his rabbit characters in order to pay off a gambling debt. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Which, the, coincidentally, is what I'd learned from this episode. And it's amazing. This aired in 1995, and how many? 23 years later, the show is still profitable. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's a very even back then. That's a uh, that's very much hitting the money on the hitting the nail on the head. That as long as the show's making money, the show will be on the air. And who knows yeah. what sort of adventures they're going to get up to in between. I don't know because I don't really watch the show that much anymore. But it's, it's just like we always say. It's just nice to know that they're still there. It is. It's like, um, I, th- I might have even mentioned this, that it's like your auntie that you don't see very often who's getting old. Yeah. And, I mean, look, if she did die, it wouldn't actually change your day-to-day life whatsoever. But you would f- you feel better knowing that she's still in the world. Yeah, that you can go visit her if you choose to. Yeah, yes, exactly. If you want to go back and you want to revisit the floors and just go, oh, yeah, you've still got that... Um, plastic uh covering over the lino in the laundry do you hmm, that's a little bit out of it. that's a little out of date now but it's there and it's not as majestic sometimes as you remembered but uh the cakes that she makes are still delicious and they'll keep coming like you know the recipe for the sponge never changes and this is probably the most tortured analogy i've ever made but i'm sticking with it <laughs> all righty mitch so this being a clip show we're gonna have to fill up a bit of time with an epic mailbag, so I'm hoping that you've got some stuff planned for us. What do you got? Um, I Well, we do have, fortunately, quite a few emails. Uh, and I just yeah. looked at how long we've been recording and I went, oh, that's not as long as I was hoping. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> do, do you want to just fill it full of just all the clips from the clip show? We'll just bump it up to two hours. I think that would actually be illegal. Uh, and I don't <laughs> particularly want to be sued. I, I will say um, to Patreons who are getting this, you know, uh, in a couple of days' time, it'll be what friday 30th something yeah 30th or so happy easter for the weekend and to everyone who is not a patron i hope you had a good easter last weekend yes hope you had plenty of chocolate are you still do you guys get into easter see my our tradition ever since i was a kid is we have an easter egg hunt at my nan's house in in the backyard and still every year i've been with nicola we get easter eggs we give them to my nan the the day before she hides them we go there and we find them with my sister it's just a family tradition like do you guys still do that kind of thing or not so much. I mean, with Labradors, I've always been paranoid about hiding chocolate around this house. Mm, um, that's fair. I feel like I'll wake up to find a lot of alfoil. But I do definitely still like to at least spoil Ash with a little hamper of uh, some select chocolates. Because you do get chocolates this time of year that you can't get throughout the year. Like, the crunchy Easter egg is one of Amazing. the best, best ratios of chocolate to honeycomb goodness of any oh. of any lolly that has ever existed. So great. So, so great. I don't think you can get red tulip eggs during the year either. Um, Just red tulip no, anything? No. I, I, not, certainly not prominently. I can't think of ever seeing them. Um, I'm, not, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure what it is either, but for me, I just love eating the ears of an Easter rabbit. I just love the thickness of it. it to me, yeah, to me, yeah. just... T- it just tastes better. I love the, the, the way it's structured. The, it, just eating the ears of a chocolate rabbit is just... The, I love it. It's the best. Um, I love nibbling on their elbow. I... <laughs> you know what I always used to really like as well? You know the Humpty Dumpty chocolate? Um, yeah. So it was like Humpty Dumpty egg with knockoff Smarties inside. So not actual Smarties, but like... Well, it wasn't legit, no. <laughs> I always found that if you ate that chocolate on its own, no good. 
if you ate those Smarties on their own, also no good. But if you busted that chocolate up into wedge shapes and then you dipped it into the Smarties like you were using a corn chip to get salsa and then you ate them combined, it was this just magical transformation occurred and you got an entirely different flavor profile of chocolate. It was one of the best things that I, I look forward to doing that every year. Wait, so you melt the Smarties first? No, you don't melt them. So it's uh, not like a literal salsa, but you just use a wedge of chocolate to balance three or four Smarties on it. Ah, like, okay. You know, pretending like it's dip and then put, put the whole thing in your mouth. And the thing is, when you get older too, because when you're a kid, you just want as many Easter eggs as possible. So mum would just, you know, raid the $2 shop and just fill it up full of, you know, 100 shit ones and 20 good ones. But as I get older, I just want one really good one. Just one crunchy rabbit, I'm happy. Hmm. Plus, as you get older, you realize what a, a um, what health risk rip off the chocolate is. Because you go, oh, it's, it's eight bucks for that egg, and that is like 120 grams. Or I could go buy this kilo family block for $3.50 <laughs> just yes. any other day of the week. I'm going to be that dad that, that makes Easter the day after so I can go get half rice chocolate. <laughs> oh, yeah. God, that is, that's better than a Boxing Day sale for me when all of the chocolate comes down <laughs> yeah. after all of the unsold chocolate from Easter. Jamil! Jamil is here! Ooh. Mailbag, what do you got for us? Uh, Neil Thompson writes in who wanted to say how much he loved the last couple of episodes covering King Size Homer and Mother Simpson. That's funny King because size... we recorded Mother Simpson 12 months ago. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember a thing that we said. I hope it was good. King yeah, size Homer I, did, is... I didn't go back and listen to it. King Size Homer is Neil's favourite episode of the show, even though it's one of Homer's um, sort of at his most selfish uh, he's only thinking of his own needs and the, the issues that develop between him and Marge as a result of a weight gain. He felt we covered very well on the podcast. Thank you very much, Neil. Mother Simpson has one of the moments of the series that always makes him cry. No doubt that would be uh, part of the final scene. For him, it's not so much the... So it's not the staring up at the sky. It's the moment where it cuts to the long shot of Homer waving goodbye as the van drives away. He stops waving his arm then drops to his side a few seconds afterwards. It's that moment of realisation setting in that his mum's left his life so soon after returning yeah. to it. Um, he also wanted to thank us for our involvement in undertaking the past. So basically we've, spo- uh, we've, uh, what's the word? Not sponsored. We have um, inspired Neil to start his own podcast. So this is off the back of you, Dando, mentioning that you couldn't, you hadn't found a Sopranos based podcast. Neil well, said one. that there is one and it's great. Um, there's also one about the wire called the wire stripped. Uh, so huh. he started thinking about HBO shows that have, haven't been covered. So he's going to launch Inside Oz, a review podcast, uh, reviewing the prison drama Oz. Um, you know, so the direct influences that it's had on the likes of The Sopranos, The Wire, Boardwalk Empire, etc. So uh, for anyone listening, that is on Twitter and Instagram at the moment, at Inside Oz Podcast. It was, Oz was a TV show that meant I could never look at J.K. Simmons the same ever again. Like for me, I grew up on J.K. Simmons being J. Jonah Jameson from the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films and Juno's dad. And then all of a sudden, he's tattooing a swastika onto an accountant's ass and very clearly making you aware of the fact that he is top dog. What about Elliot from SVU? Just getting it all out. <laughs> I've never really watched SVU. I'm not a big law and order oh, guy. Oh, really? I just like the okay, he, he's one of, literally one of the main actors of SVU. He's one of the originals. It was, it was, there was two people, but basically just Ice-T and these two. And he... Oh, apparently, Elliot. Uh, yeah, okay. I know the guy now. He's yeah, and apparently real, he gets it all out. in a space about him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've, I've said this on the podcast. He was, we saw him in New York. You met Alec Baldwin. I met Elliot. 
Yeah, yeah, okay, that's pretty cool. Um, there's a really good meme, I think, of someone... Uh, let me try to find this. It's a meme about SVU. So basically someone's made a cartoon that's like the step-by-step guide to SVU. Um, okay, so the cartoon is on the next episode of Law and Order Special Victims Unit. A body is discovered. Uh, it's just two people talking. So I had to take an extra shift at the diner. Oh no, that girl's just been raped and murdered. At least one detective takes it personally. I'm the product of rape. And then, so like, that's the woman. And then Elliot, I have daughters. A new threat is discovered. Uh, the victim met people on her computer. I have a computer. The detectives discuss both sides of the issue. I like the internet. I hate the internet. Ice-T earns his paycheck. You guys need anything? Nope. Okay. Executive producer, Dick Wolf. <laughs> so what I love, it's, though... It's, it's, it's brain-dead television, but it's, it's enjoyable. Yeah. What I love is that there's then a photo of the actor that plays Elliot Stabler holding that exact cartoon framed... Like, it's his pride and joy. That's amazing. He, he seems like a great dude. <laughs> Did we get any uh, any stories from people with shitty air flights after my debacle from last week? We did. Uh, let's dive into this one. Anthony Madza, who is a Patreon, so he gets priority. Mitch and Dando. Thankfully, I've never had to deal with an experience like Dando's recent journey home from New Zealand. Easily my most bizarre flight in uh, bizarre in-flight experience was stumbling up to the toilet and upon seeing no one around the vacant sign flashing opened the and the vacant sign flashing rather opened the door in my I haven't slept properly for 24 hours haze I didn't fully register what was in front of me it took several seconds to realize that I'd walked in on an old lady sitting on the toilet my stomach drops and I just back away and slowly close the door all whilst this old lady hasn't reacted to the door or the disbelief on his face ran the hell away and refused to use the toilet for the rest of the flight. I didn't see her again and I remained convinced that she was sleeping with her eyes open on the toilet. <laughs> Looking straight at him. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were saying like you push the flush button. How, how scary uh, is the toilet on a plane, man? Oh, the sound yeah, it makes. Thing. It's like a bath plug. It'll rip out an intestine. <laughs> uh, as a bonus, across six trips overseas, Ali- Anthony has clocked up five travel insurance claims due to delayed or cancelled flights. Um, so... His horrendous luck means that he knows so much about travel insurance policies that he's the go-to person for any pre-travel questions that his friends might have. All I'll say is that if you're at the airport and you're catching a plane somewhere and you hear the PA system, like Anthony Mazza, uh, you know, such and such to the check-in, just double-check if he's on your flight manifesto, and if so, maybe look at rebooking. Catherine Ashworth has also uh, written in about the cabin crew forgetting to give us our meals. And later in the same journey, but a different flight hitting turbulence and his boy- her boyfriend laughing at her shriek of surprise. We did everything to get food. Unfortunately, what they got was a, chi- a kid's meal of cheesy pasta, the smell of which made her gag. Oh, I don't want to even think about the smell. <laughs> Needless to say, when they eventually landed, she wasn't in the best mood um, and then was chosen for a bag scan at customs. Uh, that's always good. It's nice to be stopped by security when you're in a really shitty mood. Um, like when you are at that point that you're not sure if you're going to be able to hold back the sarcasm that you normally have to keep at bay throughout the day. Yeah. Like, has, yeah, exactly. anyone else, has anyone else packed your bags for you? Like, I mean, like, there was, uh, what are they, there was Chinko and um, Sammy the Knife. I think they were written around in there for a little while in one of the hidden compartments. But outside of that, no, everything's mine. Well, I actually made the mistake of doing that in New Zealand. So, <laughs> Nicola actually packed my bag for me, right? So... We're checking the bags in. Nicola's with me. And the woman goes, 
nothing dangerous in there or whatever. She said, oh, the spiel. And I turned to Claire and said, well, I don't know. She packed it for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not realizing. The woman goes, and she goes, do you want to take that back? And, and I was like, uh, and Nicola goes, you can't say that. You can't say that. I said, oh, uh, uh, I was, she goes, it's fine. She goes, uh, you, you, I trust you. And she let it go through. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not like it's illegal to have someone else pack your bag. This just means that they might check a little closer. Yeah, yeah. I, I always, I, I reckon, I reckon two out of three times I get checked. I just must look like one of those. I just must look shady. No, I, I actually think for the most part, they probably try to check people that aren't going to cause a fuss. So I think if you look fine, they'll be like, that's fine. I'll keep my quota up. I don't find anyone. I mean, it's only the plane getting blown up. I'm safe back here. So, um, I once accidentally tried to take a secure, uh, screwdriver onto a plane. That um, was awkward to explain away. My mum um, tried to take a pair of scissors once. Yeah, it's just like, because I'm a guy and it's when it's travel on, I'm, this is probably the same thing with you with the scissors. You just grab whatever bag you happen to have used the last time you needed a bag and you never yeah. check pockets. You just like, I'll just throw, throw shit on top. That's all I need. That doesn't weigh more than seven kilos. I'm away. And then, yeah, you get to the airport and then it's like, oh, shit, all of this incriminating stuff. I remember, I remember saying, Mum, why do you have scissors in your handbag? Like, well, what, why, do you even, why are they even there? There's no answer for that. Because oh, I just like to carry scissors around in case I she need scissors. She probably saw a child <laughs> running with them and had to confiscate them. Uh, Jeremy Saba writes in with some funny teacher names. Hey, Mitch and Dando, it was lovely to meet the man who almost single-handedly keeps the podcast running when you visited Big Roddy's last month. So you, you met Jeremy. Um, ah, so this is Henry's brother. Gotcha. Oh, so, uh, okay. that's just, that's just, that would be a reference because he said, who edits the podcast? And I said, oh, I edit the podcast. And he says, who runs the Facebook? And I said, I do the Facebook most of the time. And he goes, who does the Twitter? I said, Mitch does a Twitter. And he goes, who does the website? I said, I, I do the website. I said, but it's, it's a case of just, I prefer to just do it. I just like to do it. <laughs> Yeah, and no, well, look, I'll, I'll admit you're better at that stuff than I am. Um, but, you know, who makes the show entertaining? I do that. Uh, <laughs> I've been watching the podcast. Uh, sorry, well, he says watching, but I assume he means listening uh, to the podcast at his desk while he's going through a bunch of filing. Um, he said that he's loving the fact that this has sort of become like a time capsule. So his personal favorite moment was listening to us. I don't know which episode this would have been, but he was listening to an episode where we were raving about how great Kevin Spacey was at the height of his sexual scandal. So oh, wow. <laughs> that's, um, I, I must do that myself, go back at some point and re-listen to some things I've said. Anyway, he's had two memorable teachers during his many years of study with hilarious names. Uh, the first was a high school history teacher, first name Robert, last name McRoberts. Robert Robert. Robert McRoberts. Oh, Robert McRobert, like Donald McDonald. Yeah. yeah, like Donald McDonald. Presumably went on to have a career as the captain of Bodie McBoke's face. Um, did, did, didn't, didn't Donald McDonald once coach the Hawthorne football team? Well, coach or play? Certainly there was a player named Donald McDonald. I thought they had like a temporary coach called Donald McDonald for a brief period in the 90s. <laughs> oh, actually, you might be right. That might have been after the merger or somewhere around that. Or would, did Donald McDonald precede Peter Schwab? I reckon he was like Poss- an interim possibly. coach. A coach got sacked and yeah. Donald McDonald stepped in. Yeah, yeah. He was a John, John Barker kind of ordeal. Yeah. Uh, the second was a professor, surname Bigwood, first name Richard. So that's a name I'd want. Yeah. What? I mean, if he wasn't a professor, what would he be? If his name is Dick Bigwood. Would Dick he Bigwood. Be? Dick Bigwood. I reckon... Oh, strongman? World's strongest man competition? Yeah, strongman's obviously like a, like a wood chipper competition. Dick Bigwood. 
a wood chipper. So you know, like, like the, you know when you go to the when you go to Geelong that, Show and you got the professional yeah. wood chippers. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they call themselves professional wood chippers, but there actually is professional wood chipping competitions. They used to air them on Foxtel. Do they get paid? They'd have to if it's if it's world championships. They have to be getting something. Otherwise, why would you do it? Yeah, well, just for the love of the game, mate. Too much respect <laughs> the, for the, wood. the love of the game. <laughs> Jason Pelton will move on, uh, writes in, Dando Mitch, long-time listener, first-time emailer. He was at work, and while listening to our podcast, one of the regulars came came in and went, Hi, everybody. And I said, Hi, Dr. Nick. He turned and laughed and made my day. That, so, you know, look, small moments, but we do like it when The Simpsons can... It's that he made my day bit that I love. Like, it's it, it doesn't need to be something big to really touch someone or, or, like, to just put a smile on your face and go, Yeah, that guy gets it. Yeah. Jason has also realised, oh, sorry, through listening to our podcast, has rediscovered his one of his favourite Australian TV shows, Round the Twist, and he's writing from Ontario, Canada. So I'm not sure if Jason's an expat or if Round the Twist just made it overseas, but good to know that the... Um, was Round the Twist filmed in Lawn or somewhere similar? It was filmed at, uh, in uh, Anglesey at the Lighthouse. Anglesey. I was going to say... Oh, Apollo, Bay, Apollo, Bay, Apollo Bay. Apollo Bay. Apollo Bay. Apollo Bay. Okay, somewhere along the Great Ocean Road. Yep. Um, Thomas Stocks writes in with a scheme. Uh, quite a recent recent uh, Jesus. Quite a recent listener, but I finally caught up just in time because he has a scheme to report. When he was a poor student in the UK, he used to get the train back to my home city quite often. Most stations in the UK have ticket barriers that require to present a ticket to open the gate on entrance and exit. However, my home city does not. Due to my laziness, I hadn't bothered updating my bank account to a standard current account, whatever that might mean over in the UK. So he still had the child's sort of electronic card rather than a normal chip and pin card. Oh, okay. So basically he had one of the cards that only works for FPOS, not like um, PayWave and that sort of thing. One day he was running late and didn't have time to buy a ticket at the station. As it turns out, you can't use the, the particular type of card that he has to buy tickets on trains. Um, it looks like it's going through and then the machine's going to give an error. Then the guard will say, ah, oh, there's something wrong with the machine. You'll have to buy a ticket when you get off the train. So that's how I found out how to get half price travel between my uni city and home. Sometimes it would be totally free as my uni city would only have people checking tickets on the exit about 90% of the time. I justified it three different ways. One, I was a poor student. I had a legitimate payment method and would always be willing to pay if they take my card. And train prices in the UK are insane. Uh, Tom, I'm with you. And I've, like, outside of those three justification reasons, I've always gone with the, well, the train was running anyway. Like, whether I give you my nine bucks or not, the train was still going to get there. It's not like we had to stop off for petrol and I'm chipping in. Have you ever actually been caught for evading? Have I ever been caught for fair evading? No. I, I I've have. been caught once. Purely by accident. It was when Mikey was still a, a rather fresh sort of system. Mm. And at North Geelong train station down the road from here, there was no machine for Mikey's back then. You had to top up your card at the desk. And I got yeah, there or, after yeah. it, it all closed down. It was all closed. So I had no way of topping up my Mikey card. So I got on the train and I said to the guy, I need to buy the ticket to get to Melbourne. This is going back probably 2009-ish. We're going to a concert at Festival Hall, and he was having none of it. He, he just would refuse to believe me. And I'm saying, mate, call the North Geelong train station and you will see or you will hear that, it, that no one will answer. It is closed. He goes, no, nah, no, nah, that's, not, that's not an excuse. You knew you were supposed to have it topped up. That's your fault. That's your fault. $220 fine. Did you cop the fine or just a warning? No, fine. $200 it was. Fine. Oh, 
See, that's just ridiculous. Like, the fucking I train am, station was closed, mate. <laughs> so I used to work in Melbourne quite a lot, and it, the I, I hated the kind of immediate level of dickery that would go along, go hand in hand with many of the ticket inspectors, because you've taken someone who was probably forty and unemployed, and suddenly given him a badge and a hat, and he feels he has a sense of authority now, and he's going to wield that like a fucking truncheon. So I would do whatever I could to kind of avoid those... Uh, not avoid them, but get one up on them. So one of the things, with the line that we were on, typically most of the conversations about... Um, and this is back when you had to buy paper tickets. You could always get away with a... Oh, jeez. Or, or people would always try to get away with the, the train was... The station was too busy. I didn't have time. I need to buy one off you. And sometimes people would be fine with that. Sometimes they go like, oh, you're really not supposed to do this. I'm like, really? Then why do you have a ticket book with a hundred fucking spare pages on it? Because someone <laughs> along the way went, hey, it's your job to write tickets out. But anyway, um, if I was dressed well, like if you're in slacks, a business shirt or a suit or something like that, you, I found that you had more power than the train station employee uniform gave because they would just accept it. You go, oh, mate, look, I'm sorry, but couldn't do it. Um, I've got a hundred. Can you break that? And they would just kind of shuffle <laughs> along. I'm like, oh, just make sure you get one next time. A, because you can't be bothered, and B, doesn't know how to do the math. Uh, yeah. And the other thing that I did after a little while, um, you could buy weekly or monthly train tickets, right? Now, if, yeah. you bought a, if you bought a return ticket, they would hold punch it with, like you know, on once on your way up and once on your way back, so you didn't use a ticket too often. But... The monthly ticket was the same size as a return ticket. They wouldn't hole punch the monthly ticket because by the end of it, there'd be nothing left. Um, so what I took to doing, we had a few people that were worked up in Melbourne. One of them would buy a monthly ticket. We would photocopy said monthly ticket in colour on, uh, you know, just on decent enough paper. There was a thin silver metallic strip on the left-hand side that did not yes. photocopy very well. So I would buy two daily tickets one for me and one for my friend. We would slice the thin strip off the daily, stick it onto the monthly photocopy, pop it into a little lanyard that everyone carried around. So at a glance, it all looked fine. No one would ever take it out of the lanyard to expect. And I would ride around all month for nine bucks. This show's just become the weekly Mitch scam fucking show. <laughs> it actually does amaze me when I start thinking about it out loud, how many things I've done. But yeah. Um, you're, you're like the dude from Catch Me If You Can. <laughs> It was a victimless crime. One day, I even took it a step further, where I was like, "Hang on, fuck this! Why would I pay nine? Like, why would I pay nine bucks for my full fare on peak, like one way trip, when I could get an off peak trip on a Sunday because I'm going to the football anyway, and that'll only cost me five dollars sixty? Genius, criminal, but genius. Hopefully, no one from V Line or uh, the police force is paying any attention. <laughs> well, next, guess what we're reviewing next week. I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, I've forgotten. I did look, but I don't remember. It's, it's the episode that gave us our name. It's Marge Be Not Proud. Ah, yes. Excellent. Great. Cracking episode. The best Christmas episode, in my opinion, of The Simpsons. Cannot wait to review that one. But for now, Mitch, do you have any final words for the listeners? Um, no, but I do have a final image. And that is the hardcore nudity of me with my penis floating above. Enjoy that. Shh.